Hey, this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast, where you will learn everything you need to know about men, dating, sex, and relationships from a man's point of view. And today, um, I'm going to get into some personal stuff. Um, it's really easy to stand on one soapbox. Um, it's a little harder to look within and share personal stories that don't always make you look good, but I do think there's something to learn from it. Um, and since we're talking about overcoming rejection and finding love, I'm, I'm the poster boy for it. it you, you know, if, if you've been following me for a while, you may hear all these stories about my happy marriage. They're, they're not bullshit. They're, they're real, they're real stories. I, I have something extraordinarily special. I don't think it's unique, but it is very special. Um, but I didn't start here. Um, I, I ended up here after a lot of mistakes and a lot of work. And um, I just want to talk about the road that I traveled down briefly for the sake of this podcast so that you know that you're not alone and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel if, you're, if you persevere, if you're willing to learn from your mistakes and take responsibility and shake off some of the negativity. So... Um, Again, I could go back uh, 20 years, but I'm, I'm not going to go back uh, there. I'm going to start with Iris. <laughs> um, it was 2002, and I was on J-Date, and I was probably working at J-Date at the time, if I recall properly, um, maybe in film school, putting myself through film school by answering phones. And... Iris was a superstar. She was a neuroscientist who was getting her PhD um, at UCLA. She wrote witty, long emails. I'm a writer, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. She was Jewish, like I was Jewish. Um, she, was, she did burlesque dancing. I mean, I can't think of anything more sexy than a neuroscientist burlesque dancer um, who's funny. So I was completely smitten. Um, and we went back and forth, back and forth uh, for a week, which is probably what I did back then. Um, emails, phone calls. And when we met in person at a small, dark bar on Fairfax Avenue here in Los Angeles, um, I, my heart was pounding because I was like, oh my God, this person's, this person's the one. And I remember sitting down on the same side of the booth as her, really confident in the outcome because there was so much verbal foreplay built up. And after an hour, uh, you know, my hand is on her knee, I'm gazing into her, her eyes, and I quickly learned the truth. Iris wasn't attracted to me. <laughs> um, she pretty much made that clear on the date. She verified it in an email a few days later and it was like a stomach punch. And I was completely knocked out flat for a week. Um, maybe some people would have been knocked out flat for longer, um, but it was pretty devastating because I built up this fantasy in my head based on how attracted I was to her and how seemingly good everything was, but there's no accounting for chemistry. And if I felt it and she didn't, there really wasn't much I could do. She didn't lie to me, she didn't mislead me. I built up something in my head that didn't prove to be true in reality. That, as you see, is a pretty common theme. Um, following year, uh, there was 
we'll, we'll call her Liz. Um, she was a personal trainer and she was kind of like a Sex in the City character. Uh, she lived in New York City um, and she's big, big personality, um, big brain, big ambitions. Uh, we spent three months on the phone flirting, building things up after our first date in New York that took place over Christmas. And after three months of talking on the phone, it sort of was the same thing. You sort of fall in love with the idea of someone. You, you think you're falling in love with the person, um, but you're really falling in love with the, the, the piece of the person that appears over the phone, uh, which is different than real life. It's the, the limitations of, of the phone. And so I, things were good. It's not like I was crazy and this was all in my head. She said, hey, we got to figure out if this is for real. After three months of talking on the phone, I came back to New York for a four-day date to see if what we had it took, if we had what it took to pursue a long-distance relationship. And I stayed in her apartment. And by the time the rainy four-day weekend was over, I knew my fate. <laughs> um, she wasn't that into me. Um, in her terms, this was not that different than the previous instance. You know, she was like 90% there, but 90% wasn't enough for her um, to dive headlong into a long distance relationship. And she came up with other excuses about how, you know, she didn't, you know, was a New Yorker and she never wanted to move to California. And it was trying to soften the blow. She, like Iris, was missing some attraction piece. Uh, she found me too nice, too smitten, not challenging enough. And that's often what happens when you're really into someone. Uh, you, you, you don't, you're not challenging. You're, you know, uh, everything is, is roses. And you come across as the, the super nice guy um, instead of the alpha male. And um, I think uh, both of these masculine energy women wanted a guy who was more masculine alpha than I was, certainly in 2003. So that was another devastation. Following year, <laughs> 2004, uh, there was uh, Lisa. We said we loved each other within two weeks. Uh, we were talking marriage, kids, the whole thing. It was intense and it was exciting and I was scared the entire time that we were dating. Um, it was like the dog who caught the car and I spent my whole life looking for love and suddenly I found it and I was 32 and she was 38 and that meant we were on a truncated timetable. And so I was never relaxed in the relationship, but I was crazy about her and she did tell me she loved me. This wasn't just a figment of my imagination, but the more she got to know me, the less she liked. Um, at least that's the story I could piece together in retrospect. So I was a devoted boyfriend. The day before, uh, I was going to take her to Las Vegas and bring her to see Cirque du Soleil. She told me that she wanted to take a break. <laughs> right. So I'm, here I am. I've, I've got these plans. I got these tickets. And she said, you know, I, I, I can't go with you. I, I need some time to think. So I went by myself. I was miserable, like... You know, I remember the feeling. It was like being told I had cancer. It was like this life sentence. So 
it's amazing how how emotional you can get and how in in retrospect it, it you wonder how you could have been so sunk but i remember going with this hole in my heart dragging myself through vegas forcing myself not to call her and see how she was doing and give her time to think but again i was like a guy on death row i i already it was a foregone conclusion so go back from Vegas, meet her at her house in Santa Monica and walk in the door and she dumps me. Uh, and she, she's kind as she can be about it. I'm crying. She waits, you know, she spends like two hours explaining to me what she was thinking. And, you know, I try to negotiate with her, but you can't negotiate your way back into a relationship that she, that one person has already decided was over. And I remember I, I didn't get over that relationship for six months. Um, that did a number on me because uh, I compared everybody to her unfavorably. Was, I stayed friends with her. I offered to write her profile. I was going to be the bigger man, but what I was doing was not really letting go, uh, not seeing her flaws, um, and holding on to the fantasy of a relationship that was doomed, if only because one party thought it was doomed. <laughs> right? If she didn't see herself marrying me, then... There is no relationship, sort of no matter what I think. Whether I think she's making a mistake or not is kind of irrelevant. So that was 2002, 2003, and 2004. Three lovely women who stepped on my heart, not because they were bad people, but because I loved them more than they loved me. And truth be told, none of this was love. It was lust, it was attraction, it was excitement. Love endures. But at the time, I thought it was love. So, cut to 2017. I'm happily married. I'm vaguely in touch with all of these women through Facebook. Uh, and I do think that time lends a very valuable perspective. And for the rest of this podcast, it's not that long, I want to sort of sum up what I learned from those big kick in the balls rejections that threatened to destroy my self-esteem, devastate me, make me quit love. All those things that you think when you have those feelings, I'm sharing this because I've had these feelings too. So write these five things down, uh, tattoo them on your wrist, they're, they're important and they will help you overcome rejection and find love. Number one, you don't want the person who doesn't want you. Uh, if you want to have a happy life, choose someone who is really into you and is consistently into you instead of someone that you have to beg to give you a chance. Um, that's not easy. As I said, emotions, feeling, feelings, uh, attraction get involved. It's hard to see things very, very clearly. But this is the central premise of my book, Why He Disappeared. The man who wants you, who doesn't want you, the man who breaks up with you, the man who thinks he could do better, the man who's too messed up to commit to you, any excuse under the book, it doesn't matter. Your husband doesn't leave you, right? That's his fatal flaw. You don't want the person who doesn't want you. Number two, the person who's not into you is not as great as you think. That was an eye-opener for me. When we're attracted to someone, when we're in love, I'm using finger quotes, when we're in love, when we have chemistry, there's, we're wearing blinders. 
right? And when you're in the middle of it, you're so consumed with the warm and fuzzy feelings, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, pheromones, coursing through your brain. You don't even think about his bad qualities. You sweep him, sweep him right under the rug, right? He could literally, he could be chopping your fingers off one by one. And you'd be like, oh, that's really cute. That is the effects of love. And all I have to do is look back on your life and think of the relationships where you got heartbroken. They weren't as great as you thought. The person wasn't as great as you thought. Which leads me to point three, which was also kind of a big aha for me after my 2004 breakup. If you got the person who dumped you, you'd be miserable. <laughs> All right, and that, that came as a surprise because when you're in love and you get your feet cut out from under you, you still have the same strong feelings that you did before. Right? Those don't go away because someone says, hey, I don't want to date you anymore. You're still in love. Right? That doesn't just wear off. You see the person through the same rose-colored glasses. So I can remember, I could talk about all these women from my past, um, and I remember what I fell for. I remember those qualities and those feelings, and I remember how they were different than my wife. Um, but my wife is my wife, right? She's obviously the, the winner. I'm the winner for choosing her. Um, but it reminds me of what I was blinded by. They all had really big brains, great senses of humor. What I couldn't see at the time, what I was either too blind or immature, inexperienced to know, was they had the same qualities that I have. Busy, driven, opinionated, critical, masculine energy. So they weren't my compliments. They weren't my puzzle pieces that fit. They were closer to my clones. In order to get happy, I needed to wean myself off of dating the female version of myself and find partners who were just a little bit more easygoing than I was. So you could take this information, do what you will with it, but if whatever you're doing isn't working, think about why it isn't working. Look back on your previous relationships. Why did they not work? There's a common thread. Chances are it's because you overvalued the chemistry and common interests that you had with your partner. Oh my God, it seems so right. You didn't realize the compatibility is what happens after the chemistry is gone. So it doesn't matter, right? If, like if someone is amazing, really again, amazing being a, a relative term, but if you think a guy's amazing, if he doesn't treat you that well, if he doesn't love you consistent, consistently, or if, as I said, if he doesn't want to be with you and you alone, you are not compatible, no matter how much you may love him. Love doesn't equal compatibility. Right? Compatibility is two people who continue to stay in a relationship because they value it and they're willing to put in energy to keep it alive and thriving. Number four, overcoming rejection requires a lot of ego. Um, you can't, I've been doing this for long enough, you can't give someone a shot of self-esteem. Really hard to rationalize your way into it. Um, I can only tell you from my own personal experience that it is what kept me afloat through 10 years of online dating 
where other people, I have a client yesterday who told me she's done with online dating. She's been doing it for six months and she says she can't take it anymore. I did it for 10 years. So that frankly requires a lot of ego. And what got me through was reminding myself that it was, again, whether this is true or not, if this is just the stories we tell to get along in the world, I told myself when someone didn't like me, her loss. So you, in turn, have to remind yourself, it's his loss, it's not yours. The second you overvalue some stranger, you end up undervaluing yourself. So rejection becomes easier to take. And it's what made these three stories hard for me. I was putting these women up on a pedestal. I was treating them like they were better than I was, and they weren't. Right? The guy who dumped you is not better than you. Right? You're just as valuable, if not more valuable, than he is. He's not the last man on earth. He's not the best man on earth. He's just one guy who had potential that didn't pan out. There's millions more out there, and there's only one of you. So please never forget, right? it's his loss if he doesn't see fit to lock you in. It's not something you did wrong or you should beat yourself up about. It's very, very important. Because if you beat yourself up about every guy who rejects you, you're gonna spend your whole life beating yourself up. Online dating is a jungle. Right? People come and go. Every once in a while you find someone with amazing chemistry and just because you find it, as you see, doesn't mean you're meant to be. All right. Which brings me to the last point. Number five, never, never, never quit. It's a Winston Churchill quote. It's a magnet that I have on my fridge. <laughs> and it's true. Men are like buses. You miss one, another one's gonna come along in 10 minutes. Maybe not 10 minutes, but a month, two months, three months. <clears throat> the only way you guarantee you will remain loveless is if you quit. And if you quit, you're giving power over your entire future to one shitty guy who didn't want to marry you. Right? That is a disproportional response to heartbreak. So I understand your feelings are intense, they're valid, it's not silly, and it's very hard for me from this place to reason with your emotions the sadness, the devastation, the rejection. But just because one dude doesn't want to spend every day for the rest of his life with you, doesn't mean that you're not lovable, right? Nor does it mean that you should give up on love. All you can do is persevere until you find the guy who does. Thank you for joining me on today's Love You podcast. I hope the personal tangents didn't lose you and that they lent some insight into the fact that uh, I have not always been the happily married dating coach. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Next week, I'm interviewing heart shift coach Marcy Newman on the powerful concept of forgiveness. She and I have touched on this subject before in private conversations, and I promise this is one great interview. So please subscribe to the Love You podcast on iTunes uh, and go to www.evanmarkkatz.com. You can take a quiz on your number one relationship challenge right there on the homepage, and I will customize a solution for you and help you get the love that you deserve. See you again next week on the Love You Podcast. Mm-hmm.